This is the Darren Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz. I've been interviewing musicians, comedians, and all sorts of entertainers for almost 20 years. Joan Rivers, Flavor Flav, Paris Hilton, members of Guns N' Roses and the Eagles, and countless others. This show is about artists and why they do what they do. Right now, I'm here with Rob Grad. Rob was originally in a band called Kick Tracy, which earned him a record deal pretty much out of high school. Now, I'm curious if you ever watched the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg. I did, actually. Okay, in that movie, if you believe the narrative, he comes out of his metal band and then somehow becomes a singer-songwriter. Now, I'm curious because, you know, within five years of Kick Tracy ending, uh, you had a band that had a song on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, You were in an episode of that. Yep. What was the transition for you to go from metal to more of a song-based approach? Pure frustration. Uh, And that's usually how creativity works for me, is like I just get so annoyed with the current situation that, that, like, a new idea breaks me through. So... With Kick Tracy, Kick Tracy, I always say it was great until it wasn't, you know. And there was a day that I was uh, out like on a morning walk, you know, I was living in Venice Beach in LA at the time. And I remember being on a walk in the morning and realizing that I'd rather have a day job than go to rehearsal that day. Like that's how bad it had become. So before we found the singer for Kick Tracy, I was considering learning how to sing. Then we found him. And so I just kind of put that aside and I figured, ah, okay, I'm not supposed to be a singer. It's all good, you know. But then I realized after Kick Tracy that I wasn't really comfortable having someone else be my mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. So I was writing songs in Kick Tracy. I was coming up with ideas for songs in Kick Tracy. The concepts of those songs were really important to me. And then I felt like I was handing that off to somebody else to interpret for me. And I was never really comfortable with that. So when the opportunity arose, I was now not in a band. I had no record deal. Nobody gave a crap about me. Right. So I could do whatever the hell I want. So I literally said, I'd rather be a shitty singer and go do it myself than deal with this again. So it was pure, just pissed off and frustrated moving forward. Was there any grunge movement the way that people went straight from hair metal to grunge? A lot of people in the hair metal world at the time, at least as I remember it, they were trying anything they could to stay relevant, you know, because it was like, you know, someone took the cheese all of a sudden, you know, and, and the whole world had switched to a new paradigm. And especially the guys, I think, that really loved the hair metal thing, it was a tough, all of a sudden, like, where's my fans? Where's the people that like this? All of a sudden, right. you know, I'm like an old timer has been, like, literally overnight you know Nevermind came out from Nirvana and the world was different I was a little different my perspective was I loved when that music came out because I felt like music needed an enema at the time like it was annoying me already so when someone came out with what I felt was like reality I was refreshed so I I did dive in it wasn't that I wanted to be a grunge rocker but I did connect to that music so it was very easy for me to kind of look forward you know and I'm always looking forward to the next thing anyway so do you look back at that era of your life fondly musically speaking it was new frontiers so yes that was a period for me that I fell in love with Sonic Youth. Like, I was a kid, so when we got signed with Kick Tracy, I was, like, barely out of high school. So I I really hadn't had a lot of musical exposure at that point. 
my whole exposure to music was through like the Sunset Strip and our guitarist and Kick Tracy, his sister used to do the makeup for Rat and Poison and Motley Crue and all those guys. So we were literally, you know, in that world. I remember seeing Motley Crue when I was like 12, you know, before they had a record deal and they were amazing, you know, but that was my only exposure to music at all. So I was still growing a lot. So during that period, you're, you're talking about, I heard Sonic Youth for the first time. They came out with Dirty yeah. that Butch Vig produced. And that changed my life. Like, I was like, you could do that? You know, I didn't know you could do that. Like, I was just totally young. You know, I didn't know. So my mind was just boom. You know, every day I was listening to something new. So it was a magical time for rock music. And uh, I totally embraced that. When did your art career start in relation to Superfine? I always loved visual art. Like when Kick Tracy got its record deal and all of a sudden there was money around and there was outside influences and we were very young and didn't know what we were doing, didn't know how to navigate that. It was very soon after we got that record deal that I became unhappy with my musical situation. Like it wasn't fun anymore, almost immediately after we got the record deal. And so I actually started painting. I went out and bought a little piece of start, a little uh, starter set of oil paints and I bought these like canvas boards and I was terrible I was just awful I'd never taken painting I can't draw like it was just you know they weren't there's but just to illustrate that instinct was kind of there for me sure and then um, on tour stops I was always the one that wanted to go to museum if I could or whatever so it's kind of always in the back of my mind so jump forward I'm uh, starting super fine was probably one of the most creative periods of my life and what happened was I, uh, computers started to come around. We're talking mid-90s now, right? Yeah. So Photoshop comes out and things like that. So I was in charge of my own world. So I started messing around with Photoshop. I was always good with computers. And I was starting to work with visuals. And then I got the idea to, I found these like transparencies and, that are made for overhead projectors, but you could send them through an inkjet printer. So I started printing on those for demos, trying to get people interested in what I'm doing. I would print on the transparency and then I'd put it over like a piece of sandpaper or something because it's partly transparent and I would put that in the CD case and give it to people just to try and make it look interesting. Flash forward years later, I was in a museum in Madrid. I got an idea for a audiovisual show. I was looking at the silk screening on the painting. I wondered if my layering technique I was using for the CD demos mm -hmm. might have some sort of fine art application. And so I started experimenting with that and then I started working with plexiglass and that's what led me down the path. There's a rumor that you won a Barry Manilow scholarship. At some point, my stepfather, he said, you know, if you want to take some classes and learn some new skills or whatever, you know, I'll pay for it. I found this lyric writing course at UCLA, and this guy named Marty Panzer was teaching a lyric writing course. Marty Panzer was Barry Manilow's partner. They got started. He was his lyricist. Uh, Marty was teaching this lyric writing class, and I went and took it. Marty was awesome. It's, think what you want, Barry Manilow, whatever. When you pull some of the lyrics out of those songs and some of the other lyrics that even Marty and people of his contemporaries had written, and you just read them, some of them are really fucking good. And Marty taught an amazing class, and I became a better lyricist because of it. And they did give scholarships away in that class. I don't remember if Barry actually helped choose the scholarship winners or not, but Marty definitely chose with somebody else. And by winning the scholarship, you actually got to go to Marty's house uh, and extend the class and work on more lyrics one-on-one -on -one with like a few people sometimes. And he would go over the lyrics with us and talk about lyric writing and the art of lyric writing. And 
Did that ever give you the bug to try and co-write for other artists? I just want to be a better songwriter. I've never really had interest in writing for other people. A lot back to my motiv motivation for starting to sing in the first place was really I've never really been comfortable with other people being my third-party mouthpiece for things that I want to say and I want to communicate. And I tried to go down that path a little bit and truthfully I basically gave up music for the last eight years as a result of it. I realized that in order to make a living I was going to have to do pretty much what you're talking about. You know, I was going to have to write for other people and make sound-alike songs and things like that. And it was just like all of it was super soul-crushing for me and I just couldn't do it. It's great for some people and I was meeting people along the way who when someone said we need a song like Coldplay, they really enjoyed the challenge of that. What can I come up with that sounds like Coldplay but not too much? For me, it just shoot me in the head. Like I just, I'd rather die. Some people say, I'm an artist. Some people say, you know, I'm a painter, I'm a sculptor. You're combining a couple of different media. Yeah, I, I call them mixed media assemblages, photographic-based mixed media assemblages. It's hard to explain, and I do have to find myself. I use a lot of plexiglass, I use a lot of layers, all of which are informed by music, all of the movement in my work, all informed by my years as a musician. You know, you layer a song together, you put the drums, you put the guitars, you put the keyboards, and it becomes something, right? right. Totally view my artwork the same way and it's really obvious when you look at it. When it comes to creating art, some people only do it when they're inspired and other people treat it like a nine to five. Which approach is closer to how you do it? There's a great quote that I had on my mirror for a long time that I still reference in my mind a lot. I think it was Picasso and he said, inspiration exists but it has to find you working. I have to be in the process of creativity all the time. If I don't sit down, the ideas don't always come. But if I'm sitting down regularly, the idea can come at any time. I do force myself to sit down because, you know, what did Mark Twain said? You gotta take all the words out that don't belong. You know, Michelangelo, <laughs> same way, you know, so. Coming from the music world, I must assume that Kate Tracy had a manager. Yes. Is that something that you miss at all, having somebody to guide your career? Yes. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. In music, in art, in everything, you know, like, um, it's really hard for me to wear all the hats. And I know that that's sort of where it's come to these days. You know, like a lot of, uh, this is what artists do now. It pains me and it's not natural for me and I don't enjoy it at all. You do what you gotta do, right? So when you're not busy with art, how do you like to spend your free time? I don't have a lot of free time these days. You know, I've got a lot of different projects and they're all passion projects. You know, I'm making art, I've got an art business I'm doing now. I'm still trying to make music. I'm launching a new music project. I'm working on two different books I've been writing. Like, I'm always got a million things going on. But even like on a Sunday, you know, here we are, right? Doing an interview yeah, we're doing an interview on Sunday. So. <laughs> I went on vacation with my wife not too long ago and I said, I just want to stare at a wall for like four days. I want to do nothing, you know, and that's what we did and it was awesome. But my mind is tends to always be thinking creatively, so a lot of times my free time is spent doing creative stuff. What was the first album that you purchased with your own money? I bought two things. They were vinyl singles, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, I Love Rock and Roll, Van Halen, Pretty Woman. Had Happy Trails on the back. Diver Down. Yep, Diver okay. Down. What was the first concert that you attended by choice? Asia. <laughs> you remember them? I remember that super group with John Wedden and... Uh, uh, Carl Palmer. Carl Palmer. And Steve Howe. And Steve Howe, and, and a fourth guy. 
<laughs> was there a fourth guy? Was there a fourth guy? All right, there we go. There's a fourth guy. What's the last concert you attended for fun? Barry Manilow, two nights ago, and I loved it. What's the best concert Manilow aside that you've seen in the past couple of years? Okay, first one that comes to mind, Cheap Trick. They were at the Greek Theater. They were co-headlining, but they went on before whoever was after them, which I don't even remember who it was now. They were that good. I hadn't seen a rock show that good in years, and they it was a real rock show. They killed it. It was amazing. So any last words for the kids? When I was younger, my and I wanted to be a musician. I was always under the impression that a life in the creative field and in the arts was something that was unreliable. You could do if you got lucky, but you did something else just in case to be safe. That was a mistake. And I think that a life in the arts is reliable. It is absolutely doable. It is absolutely necessary. Think about everything that's going on in our world right now. What do we need? We need problem solvers, right? We need bridge builders and problem solvers. The right side of our brain is what sees things in its entirety and how you can go at something from another angle. We need more people like that. And it's creativity and art and in the arts that teaches you how to think that way. And it's creativity and art and in the arts that teaches you how to think that way. Whether you become an artist of any kind or not is irrelevant. I just think it's super important and I wish that I had understood that at a younger age. So I'd like to pass that along because I'm still trying to figure that out now. Thank you so much for your time, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Thanks for listening to the Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz on the Pure Grain Audio Network. More information on the Paltrowcast can be found online at www.puregrainaudio.com. Until next time, have a great Shabbos.